podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Welcome back to the Busco's Boys podcast. It's we're in the studios, top of the top of the World War One tower right now. Our new studio. Uh, it's insane. You can see literally can the see entire city from all here. Of, all of um, downtown Kansas City. Um, it's the Bos- new Busco's Boys studio headquarters. Um, this is our first recording in the new year. Even though we did drop an episode in the new year, but this is our first actual time getting back on the mics in 2019. Do you have any new resolutions? Do you have anything you want to talk about about the new year? Or do you, should we just hop right into it? The only thing I want to talk about is my bookie. They are the best spot to gamble online. The promo code, it's the wonderful boys25. You use that deposit bonus up to 50%. You're going to be rolling in the money. My resolution to get this bread. You know what? You can bet on everything. You still have one college football game left. If you're listening to this Monday morning, you still have all the Chiefs playoffs games, right? Probably going to win the Super Bowl. Baseball's right around the corner. You have all of college basketball. You got NBA. You can bet on all sorts of crazy stuff on my bookie. You win, they pay. Follow them on Twitter. They're still giving money away. Folks, it's amazing. Do it. I mean, that's my New Year's resolution. It's Just almost to, to I, bet more and spend more time on my Promo code is going to go away. You're not going to get the bonuses. Get out there, much longer. Bet on the national championship game tomorrow. I guess it's going to release. Yeah, today it'll be tonight. We I don't know when it's going to release. Sometimes Monday. it secretly sneaks out on iTunes a little early. Sometimes it comes out first thing in the morning. You just got to pay attention. Bet on the title game. Who's going to win? Is it going to be our sexy Brent Venables? Are they going to prevail? And it's going to be the goat. Quite Nick the battle. Saban. Quite the battle, man. The last four years, it could be two to two or it'd be three to one. Bama. I think it's going to be Bama. I but think it's going to be, be Bama tuned too. in. I and you know this is we'll we'll chat about this a little bit before. There's a lot of hot takes out there about college football dying because tickets are going for under face value. Like, that is insane. They're playing this game in the worst major stadium in America that's impossible to get to. It's closer to San Jose than it is Where's San Francisco. It's Santa Clara, the 49ers stadium. That's dreadful. It's crap. <laughs> no one shows up to the bowl games that are played there. No one shows up to the Pac-12 championship games that are played there. No one shows up even to the 49ers games that are played there. Why do you think there's going to be a bunch of folks from the southeast part of the country going to spend 2000 bucks to fly there and then spend an arm and a leg on hotels to go see a game that's been played four times? Anyone talking about how college football's dying? It's just... You know, hot take merchants like Kevin Keatsman. It's going to be fine. The ratings are going to be fine. College football is still alive and well. So I don't want to hear any of these stupid hot takes. Yeah, they're pretty dumb. Actually, one of my resolutions is to go see a yearly uh, college football game of the week. And, you know, think it is so expensive, dude. Like, because me and my buddy were going to go to the, the game that was in Arlington, the playoff game. And we were looking back, and I mean, tickets are literally like four hundred dollars minimum. Yeah, if they're in a if they're in a stadium that is easy to get to, in a game in, in any of that, tickets are through the roof. And hell, just to travel in America. And sorry, this is not on topic, but <laughs> I, I follow all these Chelsea fans and all this type of stuff. You when they're talking about like European away days and all that type of stuff, flights over in Europe they're like seventy two bucks to go from. Like London to Paris, like fly all, all over the place. Fly from Kansas City to San Francisco, that's like 300 bones. At you least. Know? Yeah, at least. And then it's like if you want to drive anywhere. Dude, flying, it, to, flying to Denver is like maybe – it's like 250. Yeah, and Denver's like, oh, yeah, that's like relatively close from here. That's like a nine-hour drive. It's like eight hours down to Dallas. It, the, the, like, the amount – how difficult it is to, like for a college football fan or an MLS fan or just a – 
sports fan in America to travel around is insane. Yeah, because we both follow European soccer quite closely. Those folks are like, oh yeah, freaking long away day, two hours on a coach. Yeah, like, absurd. are you kidding me, dude? That's oh why. I mean, that's why I took such a convoluted route to Georgia when we went to the Elite Eight because it was so expensive. It would have been a thousand dollars for me to fly straight to straight to Atlanta. I flew or I drove to Dallas and flew from there and it was ended up costing like 150 bucks. Yeah. I, that's crazy. Yeah. I had to burn through all my travel miles just to be, it, it's just insane. Like it, it's so crazy to see like European soccer fans complain about like ticket prices and how long it takes to get places, all that type of stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, I, you you have I to jump through hoops for just to go to any Big Twelve away day except for KU. I mean, yeah, it pretty it's much. Insane. But you know that that's a that was a weird rant, weird rant, a little off topic. But we're gonna jump back on course. Beer of the pod, beer it's of a the special pod. one. It's Winterfest from um, LB Brewing. Yes, LB Brewing in Hayes, Kansas, and it was it's from friend of the pod, big bonehead of the pod, always involved. Conrad, which is at c underscore in rad. Uh, he brought it up from Hayes. He sent it to Scott, and Scott's got it in his very cool new device here. It's delicious. Yeah, it, it's an amazing little uh, growler. It's called UKEG. You know, has CO two. This thing is fresh as always. And uh, Conrad brought it up like on New Year's Day. So you know, we're five days. You know, it's been sitting in my fridge for five days. It still tastes like it was pulled straight from tastes the great. tap down in Hayes. It's delicious. Um, quick shout out to me for burrito of the pod. I brought Scott yeah. a uh, works breakfast burrito from Burrito King in Lawrence, Kansas. Guys, if you live in Lawrence or if you're going through Lawrence, go get the works breakfast burrito. It's, it's available it's the all best. day. It is so damn good. Anyways, we're going to get into talking about K-State now. Um, you want to talk about the just review the Nike pod? Yeah, j- just real quick. I, you know, it's been it's already one of our top nine most listened to episodes but if anyone hasn't listened to the our nike pod with jason it came out on the second i think january 2nd uh go back and listen to it pass it on to your non-k-state friends because this thing is great for just uniform enthusiasts i've myself listened to it twice um it's I just, never listen to the, our episodes. I mean, very rarely. I listen to this one for sure. Cause yeah, it, it, it's just it's just amazing. <clears throat> and then if you listen very carefully, if you just very carefully, you can hear some nuggets that might give hints to the future of K State uniforms. You have to listen very carefully. Um, I, I'm not going to confirm, deny anything. That's not my place. But if you listen carefully, you might be able to pick up on it. It was a great episode, and it's. It was super informative, and I had to listen to it again because I wanted to catch all the details that I missed from the first time, but it's very, it's just interesting. I mean, so much more goes into the process than anyone realizes, and if you're a guy that's sitting around moaning about new uniforms and why, I mean, it, it there's a long process, believe me. You got to well, listen to it, though. Yeah, and all the work that goes into it is insane. Uh, when the time comes that K-State gets new football or basketball uniforms, I'm pretty confident Jason's going to be the man on the job, and yes. we are we're in good hands. He's elite. I mean, he's very good at what he does. Very, very good. But speaking of not being elite and not good at our job, um, K State basketball. <laughs> so we got twenty twenty balled by Texas at home, um, and it all kind of fell apart at the end. It was a super defensive battle for the first half hour of the game. 11 minutes left. K-State was up one. And then Texas hits back-to-back threes, and that was kind of it. It kind of felt like from that moment, I mean, we just kind of fell apart. Yeah, I I, I don't know if I would say gave up or if just demoralized. It just – it was just bad. Uh, That's a problem in and of itself when we were down – that put us down – Four? Five. five. Yeah, okay, yeah. That put us down five. And, and it just when, felt over. When five feels like an insurmountable amount of points to come back when there's ten minutes left, that's a big problem. Yeah, it's, it's a big problem, and I'm not going to – I'm not going to try to sugarcoat things. I'm I'm not a moral victory guy, but you do have to look at things on the surface and try to find some positives when you're inside this Texas game. Uh, when I heard Cam Stokes was going to be out for that game, I instantly kind of just threw the game away. I'm like, all right, yeah, we're not going to win this game. You're down, Cam. You're down, Dean Wade. And uh, yes, I, I I can admit I'm pr- I'm probably a Cam Homer. I think I probably. Uh, 
overcorrect for how he's treated in the K-State fan base, but when you're down two of your best guys going into Big 12 play, two of your starters, and you're going up against a team like Texas, like, yes, they have underperformed. They had some stinkers, but they beat North Carolina. They have legitimate talent on their roster, spots 1 through 13. I mean, they were beating us at halftime by, I think, 8, and we kept their best players scoreless. Uh, we fought through in the second half, got up one. At that point, I'm pumped. Like I, I'm Barry Brown hit a layup, and I was, I was going nuts in my apartment. What was your thought process up until the point before the meltdown? So let's take that first, you know, 29 minutes of the game. What were you thinking when you heard Cam was out, and what were you thinking during that first 29 minutes of action? <laughs> well, I mean, I tweeted out before I, the Cam news even came out that I have a very bad feeling about this game. I mean, it's just the pattern of not being able to score points is it's not great. It's concern like it, I mean it's bad. It's really, really bad. And then when Cam basically when the Cam news came out, um I basically did the same thing that you did and kind of I mean, it just felt like this game's a wash. I mean, whatever happens, I mean it'd be I would have been overjoyed to have maybe it, it felt like if we would have won, we would have stole it because yep. we were missing two of our Top three, I would say. Yeah, I, I uh, agree with you. Top three. I, I put in the show notes. I know folks don't get to see it. I think I put in there two of the top four somewhere in there. At some point I, in the show notes, I have two of the top four. And I'm being generous, I think, to Xavier Sneed uh, this year uh, because I truly do think Cardi is, or not Cardi, Cam is one of our top three players. And I agree. I don't. What team, maybe outside of KU, do you think? pulls off a win versus a Texas versus a middle of the pack team with two of their top three guys down. I don't know if anyone. No, I mean, maybe tech. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe tech. they're just, I mean, I think Chris Beard's a very good coach, but I mean, it's not great. We don't have anyone really that's consistently producing points. Um, I mean, for the, for the cam haters and you label yourself as, a cam defender but look he is statistically our top our third best scorer we got barry brown jr 13.6 points a game dean wade he's out obviously but he's got 13.6 points per game and cam is third he's got 10.8 points a game so two of our top three scorers are out and i mean <laughs> that's well, and, gonna affect anyone but well, and not only that but we're already a team that doesn't score and that's that's like not a lot of points per game. 13.6, no. that's very that's freaking very low for your top I score. know, but if you look at our point production of the team, you take out 26 points a game. Yeah. I mean, and that's not to that's not to try to m- come up with a moral victory for that Texas game cuz fact of the matter, you got 20 bold at home at the- home to pretty much an average team. I mean, they're not I think very Texas good. is a tournament team, but it's like that this isn't Texas Tech, this isn't KU, it's not Oklahoma, it's not even you know I don't know what Iowa State's going to do this year, but it's not one of these. Really good. Yeah, I, they shoot, yeah, uh, and that's. Bef- I thought that before they beat KU, honestly. Well, I mean, they had they had a great non conference uh, schedule day or er, performance. They were getting points, but uh, we're, we're not going to dive too deep into that. But uh, getting losing by twenty, that I mean, that sucks. I mean, again, the twenty point thing, I, I'm not going to defend that. But you know, through twenty nine minutes of that game, I was feeling about as good as you could about a team that scored. And this is what was the most concerning part of it. Texas almost doubled their point production in the final nine minutes of the game. Um, This is a team that's going to have to win. They're going to have to scrape. They're going to have to do things uh, dirty to win it. You can't – they will never win a game giving up 36 points in nine minutes. I think what's just most concerning is we knew we would have – well, there's two concerning things. One, completely capitulating with ten minutes to go – um, I mean, you can't just fall apart like that. Going down, going down five. You got ten minutes left, and then you get beat by twenty. Inexcusable. Two. I mean, that was one of our worst defensive efficiency games of the season, which is concerning. I mean, we hang our hat on defense, and I mean, we completely fell apart when it mattered. So that's that's concerning. But still, that said, we held them to sixty-seven points. Surely, you would think that we would have a team that could score. Over 
over 67 yeah. points and we can't we're having problem we're having trouble breaking 50 at this point yeah, and it's y- you want to be able to say any game at home you're going to be capable of scoring 68 points um but at no point in that texas game did you ever think 68 was the number you're gonna hit um Coming out of that game, game's over. I I just went to bed. I mean, first off, that's an eight p.m. game. A lot of the boneheads yeah. know I'm you know I'm up and active on Twitter at like four a.m. So y'all know <laughs> you guys can probably figure out what time I'm usually going to bed. So Big Twelve basketball season is going to be rough for me. Um, I can't but, stay up late anymore either. It's dude, really it's, really hard. We're only twenty seven. We like, sound like we're sixty seven. It's uh, hard though. It it is tough. But coming out of the game, what was your mindset like? I'll speak for myself. I went to bed angry. I was just laying in bed, and all I could think about was, you know, you came in with all these expectations, and under no circumstances d- did I come up with scenarios where you're losing at home versus Texas. Um, what was your mindset after that game? I mean, after losing, I don't know. I think even before the Texas game, I feel like my 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 expectations had pretty much gone out the window, and I was just like, let's manage this conference season let's just manage it let's get through it but it's got to be like a tournament record and now I'm pretty concerned because I mean that's a game that on on the schedule you look at it and you say okay this is a game that we need to win because especially now when we have Dean Wade out and it's like you have to I mean my mind is thinking let's get to like 10 and 8 well and here's the crazy thing is shout out to John Kurtz and Matt Hall on their show that on on the on the game, I think it, it, on Wednesday. Th- this game was on Wednesday, right, or was it Tuesday? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Whatever game night of the week this game was on, um, John Kurtz had Matt Hall on, and they just like a tat. Like yeah, a, so pull it forward. I think. Yep, yeah, there you go. See, that is the coolest. I the coolest. Gra- they're expensive. That's why it's like the best. Uh, shout out to Kevin and Cinny. Uh, great parents. The best gift I've gotten as an adult were these. Okay, so UK it's, it's yeah, growlers. it's like this UK growler. It's incredible. It's just like got a little tap on yeah. it. it. Keeps beer. And look, it's a growler that. that keeps beer. Look at that head on that. Very and, fresh for like yeah, a month. It's it, awesome. It's amazing. Love this UK. I'm gonna have to reach out to them about being. Sponsors. Yeah, I kind of want one of those. Yep, and the, the only problem is it does have that little drip, so I put that okay. paper towel. Yeah, and that see that's the pressure, guys. Man, it's amazing. Sorry. That is a great product. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um. But they were talking about how in the six games, because Bruce said Dean was going to be out for three more weeks on show uh, with John Kurtz. Uh, and anyone who is not in the Manhattan area and can't listen to the game on a daily basis, subscribe to them on their podcast page. I listen to it just about every morning. Yeah. We're out. We're out of beer. Well, I mean, two pints. That's okay. a piece. I mean, that's how it goes. Okay. Um, cool. So... Anyone who's not listening Sorry. to that podcast, you're fine. Thank you. Um, they need to. Bruce Weber was on said it was going to be three more weeks for Dean Wade. So they both were saying, hey, you need to target being four and two by the time Dean Wade comes back. So, And they were counting the Texas game as a win. Granted, that's before they knew about Cam Stokes. Um, so all of a sudden, coming out of that game, I was thinking to myself, well, shit. Now we have to go four and one over the next five, and you have to go two Ames and two Lubbock during this time frame. And I, I, I was feeling super down. Um, so, f- f- you know, flash forward, uh, it's Saturday, going into the Texas Tech game. Um, I'm not feeling very confident. In the first ten minutes of that, you're not feeling any confident. You go – everyone knows at this point, ten minutes without – to open the game without hitting – a field goal. Um, the Twitter meltdown was amazing. Um, let's get inside your head. Um, you're watching the game. What's what's going through your head? What what's going through your keyboard? Like what is what's that happening? Keyboard. <laughs> Just immense frustration. Um, I mean, at this level, with a coach as experienced as that, there is absolutely no excuse to look that feckless on offense. It's crazy. And we have a senior guy, Barry Brown, that is the heartbeat of our team. And you start the game, <laughs> you start the game literally scoreless. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. We can't hit shots. I don't, I just don't understand how we can be so inept on offense. It's just completely wrong. I, 
you know what we need is a we need a freaking Brad Underwood on assistant coach to completely tweak things, give us the triangle on two to yeah. turn things around. Because I mean, if this just isn't working, whatever whatever Bruce is teaching right now, it's not working. The spacing is completely wrong. We're chucking up ridiculous contested shots. There's entire possessions where there's literally not even a pat. No one passes the ball. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy. And here's a question for you. I've I've asked this in a couple different forums. I haven't been able to get a question. Why is it that Bruce Weber doesn't seem to have like an offensive guru on his That's staff? That's what I've been wondering. I feel like almost every single assistant coach he has is defensive-minded. I know. It's and very weird. Maybe this is because I, I feel like I understand the game of football a lot better than I do basketball. And uh, when you look at football, everything is so defined. You have your position coaches. You have an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Right, I guess right. my question to you, and I've asked it to many people. I don't know if you have the answer, but why isn't – it that you have at least one offensive guy who worst case scenario can at least come up with a new concept on offense to give you a different look at different shots. <laughs> That's a good question. I've said this. I mean, I've mentioned this before. It just seems like the staff literally is only focused on defensive, the defensive aspect of the game. And they're, they're a lead at it, which is, you know, you got to give them credit. They are elite defensive coaches. This staff knows defense. No one is disputing that, but I mean, good lord, you cannot just you can't just focus on the defensive aspect of the game because obviously we're seeing it. It's we are a perfect case study as as you can have an elite defense. We're the we were at one point. I don't know if we are now the number two defense in the nation, and we are we make teams work super super hard to score points. But if you can't break 50, you're not going to beat a lot of teams, especially in the Big 12. And I don't know. I think it's probably just because basketball is completely different. I mean, coaches have to be far more well-rounded. I mean, there's five players on the court. It's not, you know, a roster of 85. It's a roster of 12. It's just different. I don't know. But, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I don't think that Bruce is that bad of an offensive coach, but I mean, come on! Well, and, surely he's and, not. Surely he knows offense better than this. It, well, and some of it, and let's let's put some things into perspective because um, I'm not I'm I'm not going to go over the top defending Bruce. Um, that's not what I'm going to try to do on this episode or necessarily on this podcast. But you do have to look at some of it. Uh, almost every single guard gets a handful of wide open three-point shots and they clank the and, and eventually you just have to look at the players and say you have to make shots i mean the, the man thing up the thing that's the most frustrating about this all is there is a history of these guys not being elite scores but being a lot better than this L look at cartier jada and he i think when you really boil it down has been the most frustrating player because as a true freshman last year he was or no, not a true freshman. He had that redshirt year. But as a freshman, he was shooting over 40% from three. Yeah. I think he's like in the 20s now. It's it's insane. He was a guy who had so much swagger and confidence. Guy who would take it to the rim and just throw down. Now he's just passive. He doesn't believe in himself after he misses a couple shots. I, and again, I, I maybe part of that's coaching and still in confidence and making sure these guys know, hey, you can shoot your way out of a slump. But stats are stats, and you don't see shooting regression like we have seen by literally everyone except for Cam Stokes. Uh, who's just kind of stayed at his at his level across the board. I, I, I don't have any way to explain it. That's one thing that's really bothered me about Cardi is, you know, okay, fine. You get cold from the perimeter, no big deal. That happens. It's going to bounce back. But he, it's like he's completely changed his play style. Last year he was extremely effective at slashing and getting to the rim, finishing, Get in the free throw line. That was literally his game. He's a six foot four point guard that is athletic as shit and very good at, you know, driving. And we're not seeing that. No one's driving. No one is penetrating. And he's also turning the ball over like crazy this it's, year. It's, ugh, it's absurd. And I just, don't, I mean, I, it's gotta mostly be our shooting woes has to just be mental. I mean, if you think back, and maybe it's just like. We're putting too much – maybe we put too much pressure on ourselves going into the season because, you know, you look back at the KU game last year at home, and that was just a woeful shooting performance. And it's like, historically, whenever we play KU in basketball, 
especially in Bramlage, we it seems like we shoot pretty poorly because those guys because people are obsessed with beating KU in basketball. We put so much pressure on the team. I think that's ninety percent of the problem of why we can never fucking beat KU. And that's why we we didn't beat KU in Manhattan for literally 25 years because the team put so much pressure on themselves. And I think that that, I mean, maybe that's just like on a macro level what we've done this year. We came into the season almost preseason top 10. And I mean, (laughs) we had confident Bruce just pumping, pumping our ego all offseason. I'm not saying that like we came in overconfident because obviously those guys busted their ass in the offseason, but maybe these guys are putting too much pressure on themselves at this point. They just I, I don't know. I, I mean I think what that is, is I think that's accurate because you look at all of this, you had confident Bruce, you had confident Barry, Barry talking about legacy building. You know, there's Car- nothing wrong with like yeah. being that feeling that No, but, but but things just didn't go as well as expected early and everything compounded in it's just turned into this. Um, let's let's kind of pivot a little bit back to the Texas Tech game. Um, we got within one. We got within one, and I'm I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. I'm sitting <laughs> in the basement of my house or of my parents' house in Topeka, talking to my dad. I'm like, man, we got within one. Like, I'm starting to get excited, and then we hit another one of these infamous droughts, a six minute drought again without hitting a field goal. And at that point, the game's over. Uh, we hit some shots late to get to this point, but you hit another six minute drought. Uh, do you ever allow yourself to believe, Oh my God, we might do this. What was your mindset going into that run that got us to win one? And what was your mindset coming out of it? I mean, absolutely not. Did I ever believe we were going to win? Even I when started we were to. down one. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, we got within there was, one. I was like, but there was, this is there magic. was nine minutes left in the game. And that's I know. when I knew, okay, there's no fucking way. Well, I, I convinced myself because what was it? Was it uh, George Mason? That we had that big comeback? Yeah. No, they had a big comeback on us, didn't they? What was the game? Was it Georgia Southern? Georgia. Oh, yes. No, it Which was, one Southern was it? Miss. Southern, Southern Miss. Oh, it was Southern Miss. That's what it was. Yeah, we almost blew the game <laughs> with George Mason. Uh, yeah. yeah, we were down. And we and we made that come- And I was just saying, all right, th- these guys know how to come back. Um, I, I did. I let myself believe. I let, the uh, scoring droughts are very concerning, and they are it's a, long. They're a staple of Bruce Weber's tenure here and i don't get it there's a i have some serious i look i love bruce i really do but there my biggest gripe with, with bruce is these just when our offense stalls and there's just no adjustment i mean he he is notorious for sitting on timeouts and he didn't necessarily do that in this game no but he is notorious for doing that and it's like it kills us every single time yeah, it, it, he just has a way of letting momentum I think get he's away from a, i think he's an incredible i honestly I mean, I'm saying this genuinely. I think Bruce is an incredible game prep coach. But, but in game, I don't think he's yeah. quite at the level that we I want him to be at. And yeah. you know what? It's very similar to Bill. Yeah. It, well, which is and, funny. And it's crazy. And, I, I, and you know, I I hate to do this because, I mean, everyone knows my sense when it comes to KU. I think people put too much, you know, comparison, too much pressure on that. But if you look at just the way Bill Self handles in games, anytime they have a timeout, they come out of it, they score. He knows how to take a temperature check of a game. That's what all the great coaches do. You look at Coach K, even Roy Williams, and Chris Beard does this too. Every time Texas Tech took a timeout, in that game, when we were starting to make some runs, they came out of it and they went on a little spurt. I just don't know if Bruce Weber has it when the bullets start flying. And uh, and it's a shame because you said it v- correctly. Coming into games, you can see it in the first eight minutes. When this team is well-prepared, they can get out to a great lead. But he doesn't have it when the bullets start flying. And probably none of the assistant coaches quite have the answer. And that's a shame. I think he needs to try to find someone who he can put on the staff who can look at a game and draw something up when everything's happening. Well, you can see it just historically. I mean, even last year, we can take last year and look at some games at a micro level, KU in the Big 12 tournament. We completely, every time we've played them, completely negated a couple of, like, staples of the KU basketball team. You know, they're, they're perfect inbound plays. We are always prepared for those. Well, just look we how we took Kentucky out of or, their first, second, and third options. Right, or, uh, I mean, a, a master class in game prep coaching was probably the Creighton game. I mean, Yeah, shutting down Marcus Foster. We just focused on their basically, 
yeah, we completely negated Foster. Um, shout out their second best player as well. And I mean, I look, I like Bruce. I think he's a decent coach, great game prep guy. But it seems too often that we're getting to like ten minutes left in the game, and he's still got three timeouts, and it's just like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I just, I have a lot of gripes. <laughs> You can't go on. You can't have 16 minutes total of game of of not scoring. That's crazy, and they're 10 10 minute it's 10 straight minute drought and a six minute drought. That's just, yeah, it's insane. And they cost you the game. That cost you. The yeah, game. and eventually it it comes down to he either needs to get to a situation where he can call out a play that Ugh. he knows is going to work, or he needs to have confidence in one of his players to take over. Coming into the season, I would have told you he needs to just allow Barry Brown to take over. I I don't know what's happened. I but he can't do. That's that. what happened last year, and it, I mean, somewhat worked. Yeah, <laughs> but I, it's just crazy. I mean, life comes at you fast. Um, speaking of life coming at you fast, I, let's pivot into probably <laughs> one of the only you know positive I came away from that. I thought Sean Neal Williams had a great second half, one of the best of his young career. Um, I love him. He hit some shots, and I know immediately folks are going to say, "All right, time to uh, put Mike pull pull Mike McGraw from the starting lineup and put Sean Neal Williams in there." Um, I don't think I'd go that far because I thought Mike McGraw played elite level defense. And fact of the matter is that that's what this team is going to do. But Sean Neal Williams did hit some shots. Um, looked really good outside of one or two kind of freshman turnovers. What did you think about his game yesterday? I love him. I mean, it's funny because you kind of summed up – you didn't sum it up perfectly, but you had a nice little reverse jinx where – I mean, I was thinking the same thing. I didn't say anything. But, you know, he looked really, really poor early on. He just offensively looked lost. He's a very good defender, though. I mean, he's long. He's athletic as hell. He's, <laughs> I mean, basically a prototypical Bruce point guard, I guess. But And then he turns it around. He scores nine points. But – you know I like Sean Neal Williams. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think we should pull him or start him by any means. Um, Until Barry probably and, gets hurt. I mean, if yeah, unless Barry, <laughs> unless Barry, Mike, and Cardi get hurt, we probably shouldn't start Sean Neal Williams. But because he's, I mean, he's a freshman, and he's I mean, even. I mean, we know that he. Not only is he a freshman, but he. Is, he came in behind, and he's still. You're still seeing that he's well, just and, not mature enough to that, be. That's starting why games. I almost think his second half went good because they basically had to say screw it, throw everything to the wind, and say let's just ball. And I think, and I think he thrived under that because he just wasn't thinking. I think you really need to get Barry and Cardi into God. a situation where they just stop thinking. Uh, um, I don't like that though. The let, fact that like our players thrive under just like oh just go ball is bad. Like I really maybe, just want to see some we just structure. Need to go, Yes, but I think maybe we just need to go ball. Maybe yeah. that'll be something we talk about a little bit more in depth. Let's talk a little bit about Cam Stokes. Um, all the talk was he wasn't going to play. There was one report that said he was going to be out in an indefinite amount of time, which made me think, oh, great, he's out for you know an extended amount of time. The commentators that were not very great on ESPN2 were saying that they were told before the game he wasn't even going to play. He came in when things were looking super bad. I thought he you know, did all right when he was out there. But what are your thoughts of him – playing because he obviously was not 100%. I don't like it. I mean, my initial thought is why are we forcing Cam in to play in a game that, I mean, this is defeatist, but I was like, we're not going to win this game. So don't force a player in to possibly aggravate an injury that's clearly touch and go. I mean, if we were hold we were literally not going to play him until we <laughs> started out over a million and decided okay we lit- we have no other choice we got to we got to toss cam in that's that's just reeks of desperation that's bad strategy that's that's short-sighted as hell you should not be throwing in a player that has that's battling an injury that's i'm not, not going to say day to day but it's it's very touch and go i mean it seems like that stretch that old stretch fracture can be aggravated pretty pretty quickly and it seems like that's probably something that cam's going to battle for the rest of the time this year so i don't like it and it ended up not, you know, it, it ended up being completely kaput, the fact that he played. I mean, we lost the game. So, yeah. we, and we may have, we may have done more aggravation to that injury. So I don't like it. I agree with you 100%. <clears throat> I can't really add much more to that. Um, game's going into next week. Uh, West Virginia, it's a home game, 6 p.m. ESPNU. Iowa State in the flood dome. 
ESPN2, 11 a.m. on that Saturday. So you can watch that before you watch Patrick Mahomes versus the Colts. Um, what do you need to see from these next two games? Like, it, it's insane um, how important these are. I need are. to see more points for my team compared to the team that we're going against. Um, uh, these are like – I know it's kind of silly to say. We're not even halfway through the season, but these are critical well, critical I, games. I legitimately think that West Virginia at home is a must win. You lose that game, Could, all, we'll be 0-4. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go that far. But, I mean, I we guess, lose to West Virginia, yeah, you we're can't, not yeah, winning in Hilton. Th- that's true. I promise That's true. You. Then all of a sudden you're sitting at 10-4, or not 10-4, not you're 0-4 in the Big 12 play, and I think you need to at least get to 8-10 and 10 in the conference to make the tournament. All of a sudden you're looking at you have to go 6-4 and four down the stretch, and you have yeah. you, you basically will have thrown away two winnable home games. And I would say, yes, they looked good. They've looked good this far, but – that's God. a more winnable road game. Oh, my God. That, I mean, they're still a middle-of-the-pack team, so if you're not going to win that, all of a sudden one of your quote-unquote more winnable imagine, road games are done. Imagine how unwatchable the West Virginia game is going to be. I mean, it's yeah, it's going to be it crazy. It's going to be the just ugh, ugh, just West Virginia-style play versus our inability to well, score. But, I mean, it's going to be you just so You saw a preview gross. of it with Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech plays a similar brand. So, so what, I would say that – I would say that eight and ten is the basement for uh, for getting into the tournament in the Big Twelve. I think so. If we can get to eight and ten, which I mean that'll make us. There's no doubt that's not that's going to make us a bubble team. But I do think that our non-con. I actually don't think eight and ten's a bubble. I I think that we would clearly. I think there'll get be a conversation about it. Maybe not. I could be. I mean, wrong. I think I think with our non-con and folks can kind of turn their nose up at it, but I, you know, fact well, that matters. They played the game correctly when it came to non-con. I think you're you might even be a play-in at seven and eleven. I mean, the, the rankings 12. don't lie. Yeah, yeah the but, numbers don't lie. Our yeah. non-con is fine. Yeah, and we did a great job. But but it, that doesn't change the fact you lose that game versus West Virginia. Shit gets real, real quick, and we go from this entire season being about let's make another run, let's make some noise in the Big 12 to another <laughs> bubble season. And that brings me to a question that is not on this outline, but I tweeted this out and said that we are on the fast track for another very toxic environment well, for the basketball look program. Down, look down the outline a little bit more. Oh, maybe I didn't but read the outline. Hold on, let, just real quick, real quick, prediction in the next two games. Uh, I think we I think we beat West Virginia and I think we lose it. I I genuinely think that Iowa State's the third best team in the conference. In even I watched two games of them early on in the season. They're really good. I mean, they're good. And I think Prom is they found a pretty damn good coach in in Prom. So I don't know. I think we go one and one. We start the conference one and three and then and then just it's a gauntlet though, but it's not going to get any easier. Don't we go to KU or don't we host KU pretty damn soon? February, no. Feb- yeah, we do. Like Feb- late February, but I mean, it's it's in in a month. I think it's, it's the, like a month. And I think a half. it's the sixth. I swear it's the sixth. But who cares? Um, I think we go one and one. Um, I'd be very shocked if we went to Hilton and win, mainly because in the Bruce era we have an atrocious road record, even when we're good. Um, and I just I don't know what that's about. Um, but we don't win on the road. We we very rarely win on the road. So I think I have one and one at best. I mean, but I could easily see us losing to West Virginia. So two and zero. Oh, that's my official prediction. All right. Maybe. Wow. Barry, Barry goes off. Here's the, what I think. The next two s- games, Barry's going to average twenty four points, six assists, three steals, and six boards over the next two games. Here's what Barry's I'm calling. Barry's going to go off. Here's what I'm calling on the pod right now. We've mentioned before that Dean is the biggest what if player. In K State basketball, maybe K State basketball history. I think so. The man has elite level talent. Truly does. I mean, he was preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year for for a reason. He's going to fulfill that destiny when he comes back, and he's going to boost us on to a top four finish, and we'll be over five hundred. We're going to see the Dean Wade that we need and want when he comes back from injury. He's going to plug into that elite role, and he's going to he's going to carry the team like Barry did last year. I like how we're I like how we're going about this. So you know you were about to say this in your uh, 
statement, but in typical fashion, I think this is why our pod's so great. Uh, we have me who probably over-prepares and you who just kind of rolls in. But me here's the pivot. question. <laughs> How trouble is Bruce and this team in when it comes to losing the fans that they had won back with that run in March? And honestly, the perfect offseason, the way they went about everything with Confident Bruce, the social media game coming on our podcast. Uh, so how close is like are we there? I I personally think we're already there. I know Jeffrey Martin, uh, who we you know what we need to talk to J Martin and get him on the pod. Uh, it'd have to be a Skype show because he's out in Oregon, but he he's an elite guy. But let's I just saw go to him. Oregon. Yeah, we could talk to Jason again. Yes. All right. So uh, we're gonna They're start a go. Portland, we're gonna right? start a GoFundMe for you know five hundred dollar airplane tickets because from our uh, sorry, I just started screaming into the mic. I get excited. It's all right. Um, as we as we talked about in the, at the beginning of the pods. Super expensive to travel out of Kansas City. So we're going to need a GoFundMe. We're going to have to hit $1,000, but we're going to fly up to Oregon and talk to J-Mart again. Uh, but he kind of chirped at you, and I – I see. I was I waiting know. for you to come I, in. I, I was reading the entire I was, thing. And I was I waiting agree. for you to come in and destroy me because that's no, what you love to do. Well, I, I do. I do. Um, <laughs> but, I, but the reason why I didn't jump in is because I actually agree with you, and I – and. I was intimidated by J-Mart, so shame I'm on me. I'm very afraid of J-Mart because he's so cool. <laughs> he is the coolest cat well, in the world. He, well, okay. So J-Mart comes in and he says, well, he says well what I said tank. was we are on the fast track for being back Another in toxic, a toxic yeah. environment. It's a shame. And, and he said that's a hot take, and I don't think that's even remotely a hot take because Actually, thinking I think in the last wild. three I years. There. I think we are already there. I mean – it was even with the elite eight. It was still slightly there. People were still very anti Bruce. Look back to literally just the season before, when I mean people were literally all in Bruce out, and we made the turn. We made the tournament. We had a playing game. We beat well, Wake Forest. But I think winning the playing game meant we made the tournament because we right. got to the. Of course it did. Yeah. But we still lost yes. the first round yes. tournament yes. game. Yes. But, that, there but was thinking no back wins. to like just just a season ago, basically. Um, with a one do senior year, we go to Oklahoma. We get absolutely, we get almost forty balled, and people are losing their fucking minds. Like people were just like, Bruce has to go. Like this is everyone was anti Bruce. Everyone was like, this this program is shit. Is not where it needs to be. And even last year, we couldn't beat the big boys. Without that Elite Eight run, people would be losing their minds Here's right the now. Here's the thing. I, I, I legitimately – maybe I'm taking too much credit for our podcast. I legitimately think – and it coincided with a <laughs> lot of stuff. It, I, I know I you're know laughing. You're say. I know. Time out. It, it <laughs> coincided with a lot of stuff. It's not just our podcast. But if you look back – up until the point where Bruce came on our podcast and a lot of other stuff happened, there was still a lot of anti-Bruce sentiment. I think him coming on the pod, actually, that and a lot of other stuff, confident Bruce, all these sound bites. But even up until that point, I think there was still a lot of anti-Bruce sentiment. And I, I legitimately, I agreed with you. I actually think you were a little bit mild with your take. I think we're already to the point where a lot of the fan base has already turned. Yeah, I agree, and I I don't think you're actually wrong. I mean, at least for the micro level of people that listen to the podcast, it turned a lot of people's perspective around, and it turned mine around. I mean, like, meeting Bruce was great. He's a great guy, and no I think he's— No one can walk a, away from a conversation with him and not like the guy. No, I mean, I really like him. I think he's hilarious and just a good guy, and I mean, I'm not making any definitive statement saying, like, yo, he's got to go, but, I mean, I have a lot of concerns— the elite eight, I I don't know. I just I just think we know what we have with Bruce. I think he's an elite defensive level coach. But I mean, we're complete. We've we're completely inept on offense, and we have. It seems like we've been at least for two years. Last year we were dreadful offensively. This year we're even worse. So I don't really know. I like Bruce. I'm not saying anything about it. You know, I'm not really going there. I, but I'm just saying like. The fan base is not going to be pa- it's not going to be patient because it already was it all even with that elite eight run it was already just people were ready to like jump right back on it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we're gonna move into the final basketball question before we wrap up with just a little bit of football talk on scale one to ten. How hard do you think the 
Twitter fan because we, we we can't talk about the fan base as a whole. You and I are a part of this group that I would call K State Twitter, and I mean, it's not yeah. even and it's even different from the K State fan base as a whole. That's on Twitter. We surround ourselves with more of the millennial group, <laughs> with you know kind of the group that never bought into Bruce as a whole. So answer this question for me: Where does that segment of K State fans? How hard are they pressing pressing the panic button on one to ten, and how, what are you? One to ten. Panic button. So, like the niche group that yeah. we're following. Yes, our um, our our the K State Twitter niche millennial the smart ones. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, come no, on. No, I mean it is. We're the better than that the boomers. Informed and that are more passionate about like the people that subscribe to all the Facebook yes, groups. Yes, and the, live in there and think the that passionate K like State Twitter group between eighteen and thirty five. How hard are they smashing the panic button right now? From what you're observing, six. I think it's it's, but it's a steep slope. I think it's a steep slope. Time out. So seven. We we got Cole. We have your brother who I think is in that group. How hard are you smashing the panic button, Cole? I'm about a six point five actually. So okay. So I, I the way you looked at him, I thought it was gonna I be thought way it was worse. Gonna be worse. <laughs> so did I. But I think I mean we're past that midpoint, and I think that I legitimately the next two games are critical because we lose at home to West Virginia it's going to go from a 6 to a 9 and people are going to be losing their minds i mean and they're not wrong man they're not wrong we'll be 10 and 5 at that point and it'll be a major major disappointment so all right where are you and it's the trends it's the it's the trend like looking at the numbers and i'll yeah, we'll no. be stealing from 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 fan here from jimmy i mean this is the worst offensive basketball team since that we've seen Asbury. since 2001, and yeah. which from Woolridge, which is Woolridge's worst year at K-State. No, that, that was Asbury. Terrible. That was Asbury, not even Woolridge. Oh, well, I think. I thought he said Asbury. I know, but. It might have been I did too. I did too, but no, he said Asbury, but all, but he then he had a tweet about Woolridge, Woolridge so well, I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. It's bad. Well, either one. It's bad. Not, yeah, I mean, those coaches are one and the same, essentially, but. It's the, and whatever he said, whatever whichever coach it was, it was that coach's worst season, and that is just a tro. I mean, that is that's it's all insane. you need to know. I mean, we're shooting horrendously bad. You cannot. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. It doesn't matter. Does not matter. So we're in trouble. I mean, I'm at a seven at least. At the very least, so I'm you, at a seven. So I'm, you think you're smashing the panic button harder than the general public? Yeah, I do. Because I on frankly, I came into the season very concerned about this team i know that which is weird because because everything you said on the pod well i've done both <laughs> i've said both things you know where i say guys we didn't beat anyone good last year and you know we got very lucky not playing virginia and i'm not taking credit away from our elite eight run because we did go to the backyard of kentucky and beat their ass and we you know absolutely schooled Creighton and it's like those are good teams we beat those teams in the tournament I'm not taking that away from that but we were oh and like nine from top 40 Ken Palm teams last year that's I mean I didn't in the regular season something right? yeah, yeah, Kentucky yeah. And right 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 okay I mean Sorry. we couldn't beat the big boys last year when it when when we needed to aside from obviously the tournament but I definitely had concerns I definitely had concerns and I shared those on a pod I shared it on the basketball pod with Matt and then but I was – here's the thing. I'm, I was too much of a pussy to back myself up. I got bullied into a corner and not hyping the team up, and I, I didn't stick with my guns. But, I mean, I've had concerns. Just like I bullied you yeah, into the yeah. correct <laughs> position about OU versus Texas in the Big 12 championship game. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Right, but but at least I, I, I correctly predicted that Texas would be in the title game. I know, but you tried to say I bullied you into that. We're, we're going to move on past it. I agree with your 6, 6.5. I'm at a four. I'm choosing to be a little bit more I'm, optimistic. But no, I mean, I think I, that I just I'll, – I'll be at a full-on eight if we lose both of the next two and just look horrible. But it is what it is. Let, let, let's just move on real quickly because this is going longer than I wanted it to. It's actually not as long as you think it is right now. Well, but still, I was thinking this was going to be like a 30-minute Oh, well, okay. Wrong. I know. <laughs> All right, so um, – Football staff, uh, let, let's just dive into it. Um, also, tweet us in where – timeout. Before we get into football, tweet me where you are on the panic meter. Uh, let's find out. Anyone who tweets me where they are in the panic meter, I will like your tweet. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to we give We will away. send you – we will wire you a million dollars. That's not true. But maybe. I mean, whatever. 
if we win a if we somehow come into a billion dollars, we will give away a million to everyone who tweets into it. But we have to become billionaires first. Well, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, all right. So real <laughs> real quick, uh, Coach Kleiman won another national championship at North Dakota State. Uh, quick question to you, Grant. Um, where did you land when it came to uh, specifically K-State's football Twitter account coverage of it? Because I 100% back all the media who went there. That's where the fans' hearts are. You know, football is all about everything. But I was surprised about the official Ugh. K-State football Twitter account. I thought account, it was really much. annoying and weird. It was just a lot. I, I mean, fine. Say good luck. Say like, here's one tweet. Yes, good luck, like Coach Kleiman. Good luck, and then a he's our now something at the end. I think it went a little far. It went way too far. It was really weird. As it was just like, I mean, it makes way more sense that the media all went down there to get sound bites to cover the. All right, here the transitions happening, but the official Twitter account went too far. They went insane, and they were, you know, they were nailing it. They were nailing it, but they've they got a little weird. They got a little small timey weird. To their defense, a ton of folks ate ate it up. They so, ate it up, but um, it's like this we're not North Dakota State, so stop no. like being like stop stop owning that they it's yes. like we were trying yeah. to literally be like Cl- we're we trying want to claim it. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, that, it's that really is, weird. It, it went too far, I agree with you. But <laughs> they since... literally tweet the picture that they tweeted of the guy in the K State Freeman shirt, uh, like that hol- was that holding was up bad. a, a uh, horns yeah, hand that was signal bad. was like that was bad. I mean, why are you – like, I think it would actually be pretty fun and cool to go to that game and, like, like buy a North Dakota State shirt and just, like, be like, hell yeah, or North Dakota State. something generic. Or I, just hang out at the game and yeah. be like, okay, I'm watching this game. Don't go in a Josh Freeman far. jersey and be too like, far. this is us now. Like, no. that is It went too dreadful. far. Went too far. It was very, very K-State of us to do that. It it, it was on brand for K-State and (laughs) K-State fans. Because fact of the matter, a lot of generic K-State fans ate it up. Brought me right back down to earth uh, from our uh, very, what I thought was a very cool media team. Yeah. They kind of blew it a little bit, but it, we'll hey, see what a lot we'll of see folks how, how they bounce back. So he, he won it, and since we last talked, the last time we talked uh, together and talked about news, the only coaches that were announced were Blake Siler, Colin Klein. Since then, almost the entire staff is filled. Coach Kleiman has said almost in every interview he's given about the coaching staff, he's going to keep one spot open. Uh, for when he went to the coaching convention in San Antonio in the next month. So there is one spot open. So I'm just going to run down what the staff looks like. Courtney Messingham, he's going to coach offense. Uh, he's going to be the OC and the tight ends coach. He was the OC at North Dakota State. Ted Monacino, Monacino, he's Italiano. Uh, DC and linebackers coach, most recently spent a year being a defensive analyst at Mizzou. But previously he had a long NFL coaching career, including – being the defensive coordinator for the Colts. Brian Anderson, he spent a lot of time up in Minnesota. He coached the wide receivers and running backs there. He's going to be our running backs coach. He recently spent a year at Illinois State uh, coaching wide receivers, and he also was the liaison to the NFL, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Joe Klanderman, safeties coach. He's coming from the same background in North Dakota State. Van Malone, cornerbacks. Most recently, he spent a year being a defensive analyst at Mississippi State. Before that, he was the D.C. at SMU. Before that, he was the DB coach at Oklahoma State, Tulsa, Texas A&M, North Texas, and Western Michigan. Uh, he did start his coaching career at uh, in the high school Texas ranks and then got into college, North Dakota State, in 2003. Jason Ray, he spent only one season with North Dakota State coaching wide receivers. He's going to be coaching wide receivers for K-State. Before that, he spent three years in the FCS and then six in the FBS, including two with Oklahoma State. He had his hands on a lot of good wide receivers there. Connor Riley, the offensive line coach, he was the O-line coach at North Dakota State, and he's been seen as one of the biggest stars on the North Dakota State staff. And here's my hot take. At one point, he will be our offensive coordinator. And then Blake Seiler coaching defensive line, Colin Klein being the quarterback's coach. Salaries are coming out on these folks. seems like we're making a pretty big investment in these guys. What are your overall thoughts on the staff? And then give me the one guy you're most excited for and the one guy you're a little hesitant <laughs> on. Man, that's a lot to talk about. Um, well, so sure. I mean, because, I'll just like I said, I'll I hit a couple of the bullet points. So, Courtney Messingham being offensive coordinator, not necessarily concerned about him. I'm not like concerned necessarily about him, but I'm not excited about him. Um, 
But, you know, that's he's the type of guy that we're going to have to just wait and see how it works out with him. Um, Ted Monacino, I know Missouri was desperate to keep him on staff. They were trying to get him on staff as their D.C. And, uh, you know, I know people are worried about him in terms of, like, recruiting, which is, I think, very silly. Uh, the man has NFL experience. Uh, he took the Colts defense from, like, 30 to 13 I mean, he's obviously a good defensive coordinator. I he's think also boys with Terrell Suggs. Boys with Terrell Suggs, which, you know. I think he has a Super Bowl ring. I love Bowl Terrell ring. Suggs. I love Terrell Suggs Ma- because. Montecino has a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, he does. And, you know, Darren Sproles shit on Terrell Suggs, so it's fine. I'm not worried about that. Um, most exciting, or I don't know, Jason Ray, very sexy. Loves to have a toothpick in his mouth. He has a great beard. He's very handsome. Hot wife. I 100%. 100% endorse him being on staff, um, even if he's a terrible coach. He's good for the program. He's a very, very handsome man. Has some connections um, to he's, some good Oklahoma he's the, guys. He's, uh, oh, hey, newest member of the Sexy Bald. Oh, yes, he is on the Sexy he Bald is, team. I mean, he's a good-looking guy. Um, most exciting is pro- obviously got to be Connor Riley. Um, he's also got a great beard. Um, but people think that he's, like, one of the hottest names. Probably the best offensive line, like, upcoming coach in the country i mean people legitimately say that he's the best offensive line coach in the country yeah, so that's he, great massive get massive i think that's great um i think i'm very excited about the coaches that we've kept those are the coaches that i wanted to keep colin klein and blake seiler and you know i guess taylor bratt but i I'm, i mean I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it can't get to football season soon enough well, sadly, because uh, college football has the shortest season and the longest off season of any major sport in America, it's going to be a very, very long time. We're more than eight months away from the first game. That's crazy to think about. More than eight months. More well, than three quarters of the year. We The Bosco boys will get you through that period, especially in the off season. That's where we thrive. That's where we... That's where we that's really where we That's started. Where we, we only had like one. We had two episodes that no, were related to sports. Well, only one true in season. Everything else was holy shit. We beat Kentucky and hey, let's go to Atlanta and then depression. Yeah, because we had like a seventeen minute episode where we were just at a brewery, sitting on stage, making shit up. We thought half of that. I swear, half that episode we talked about dogs that were at that brewery. So it, it was amazing. Um, but we had to travel more. We do have to travel more. Um, we got to figure that out because we, we don't have an app on our phone anymore. So it's yeah, not. It's gonna be, have to be different. But we'll have to figure it out. Um, but happy 2019. It's gonna be a big year. Uh, Boneheads. We have a lot of a uh, lot of stuff. You know, in in the uh, brain trust right now. I think uh, our off season is stacked. Off season is gonna be stacked. I think we're gonna be able to give you some good stuff in basketball season. Um, Stay tuned. The midweek episode, we might be trying something a little different. Stay tuned. We're going to see what happens. Uh, shout out to Cody. She's my favorite of all of your roommates. <laughs> um, she is the best. Cody, do you want to say anything to the podcast? Come on over no? here. Come on. Come on over. Just anything. hop on the mic Just say real something. quick. Say, say something. Just say literally anything you want to say. Anything? Anything. Get, get your face in that microphone. I don't know what to say, guys. I'm sweeping. <laughs> She is sweeping. She's, sweeping. she's made your house look clean super in the house. clean. She's very. She's the best. <laughs> she she really is. Um, I think we're gonna wrap it up. Um, we love you, Boneheads. Uh, shout out again to Conrad for the beer. <laughs> shout out to Grant for the burrito. Shout out to Newman the dog. He's a baller. Um, yeah. Meet me at the Cathead. He was so kind, such a gentleman, tied to the ocean side. Light and name match on the suitcases, latch in the fading of night. Ruffled the fur of the collie neath the table, ran out the door through the dark, carved out his initials in the bar. That was all that it took for the dream to break All the loose ends would surround me again In the shape of your face
Network.